Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's not waste any time. Right to our VIP line, where I'm so pleased to welcome back to the show Andrew Romanoff. Haven't talked to Andrew on the air in, gosh, it's probably been at least... Three or four years. Last time we we talked, Andrew, you were you were uh, running a nonprofit, actually, and I think you're still involved there. But it's great to have you back. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the opportunity, Russ. I really appreciate it. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, uh, likewise. And for those who don't know, Andrew Romanoff, former Speaker of the House here in the state of Colorado and current candidate for U.S. Senate, attempting to receive the Democratic nomination uh, to be able to challenge Cory Gardner for the Senate seat. I, I will say that. Uh, Andrew and uh, former Governor John Hickenlooper are the two, what I'd call, credible candidates on the Democratic side. So, uh, Andrew, why don't I just start off with an obvious question? What are the key differences between you and your other Democratic opponent? We'll talk about your potential Republican opponent a little bit later on. Well, I respect the former governor. We have real differences in this race. Uh, I, for example got ranked as one of the most effective legislative leaders in America. I led the Democrats, as you know, to our first majority in 30 years, our first back-to-back majority since 1960. That's how I became Speaker of the House and got things done. Uh, Mr. Hickenhooper, on the other hand, told most of the folks who asked last year that he would be a terrible senator, didn't want the job, and would hate doing it. I believe him. <laughs> I love it when he said he really didn't have the skill set to be a senator. Well, and, I believe him too. He, uh, I mean, I, you should know, and I think you probably already do, that I'll support John if he wins the nomination. I pledge to support the Democratic nominee in this race. The field had something like 20 candidates at one point. It's down to Hickenlooper and me. We're not just the only credible candidates. I think I heard you say we're the only two Democrats left. Oh, ballot, I thought it was a judge that was going to like put a couple of those people on the ballot because of the virus. So the Supreme Court, Colorado Supreme Court, ruled against those requests. Okay. Arguing. I missed that. that. Standard. Yeah, that's right. A couple of folks tried to petition on, but didn't submit enough ballot signatures, argued that they were substantially compliant because the pandemic had shortened the circulating period for petitions. But the Supreme Court ruled against that argument. Gotcha. Officer, I was substantially compliant with the speed limit. Um, so, <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, what about on a on a policy basis. What what do people know about you? I, I, I don't want to, you know, I really want this to come from your mouth. You know, in, in, in my mind, you're somewhat to the left of John Hickenlooper and, of course, well to the left of, of Cory Gardner. What do you want people to know about you on a policy basis? Well, in healthcare, we differ. You mentioned the work I did, Ross, at Mental Health Colorado, the organization I ran for four years. I fought for families who face mental illness or drug addiction, trying to reduce the suicide rate, which is a tragedy that afflicted my family, and often found ourselves at odds with the insurance industry. So where I'd like to go is to a place where all of us get the health care we need, including mental health and substance use services, that does not depend on the whims of an insurance company or even the generosity of an employer. Uh, We've conducted an experiment in America, in effect, over the last 80 years, tethering our health insurance to our jobs. 
now that so many Americans are losing their jobs, it's becoming increasingly clear that this is a model that we need to change. I, I think you ought to be able to get uh, the health care you need, whether you change jobs or lose your job or want to start a new business of your own. Right. But I guess what I'd say to that is, I don't know if you're implying this, but a lot of folks of your political persuasion imply or want us to infer that the experiment really since FDR has represented a market failure when in fact, really since FDR, what we've had is a government manipulated faux market and never really given the free market uh, a chance to do something. And, and generally speaking, the free market provides things that are better and cheaper than anything government ever does. So, you know, I, I wouldn't, if, if it's what you're implying that, that the answer is, uh, is government provided healthcare for everybody, then, you know, I'm not on board on that part with you, even though I do agree with you that much of the experiment has failed. So I'm not suggesting that the government be in the business of providing health care. There are models like that. Health uh, insurance, British. rather. Right, right. That's an important distinction. Uh, so I, I'll just give you one story. I used to um, did some uh, academic work in London once upon a time. Uh, Britain employed, deployed the kind of model that you're describing where the government runs the hospitals, employs the doctors and the and nurses, uh, my appendix is still there, by the way, more information than your viewers need on, and then your listeners need on a, uh, a breakfast hour show. But uh, I'm, I'm not suggesting that's the right model. I do believe that a public insurance model makes sense. The point of insurance, after all, is to spread the risk. And, and it's worth pointing out, we've already made a decision in America to provide universal health coverage. We just picked the most expensive place possible, the emergency room. Uh, back in 1986, Ronald Reagan signed a law that said, if you want Medicare dollars, uh, and you're a hospital, you're going to have to accept anybody who comes in need of emergency treatment. I think that was the right decision for a moral society. You don't want people drop dead on the doorstep of an ER. But if you agree, and maybe I'll pause. Do you, do you agree with that, Russ? I really struggle with that one. Um, I, as, a, as a libertarian, uh, I don't want anyone to drop dead. I don't like the government telling a business who they have to take as customers. Um, and I do think the moral hazard that it created was really bad. Uh, I want people with no money to be able to get health care. I would like to see a better way to get that done. I don't know that I have the answer right now. I, I always go to charity rather than government force, though, as a likely better answer. Well, and I'm suggesting that the government is tethering that requirement to the acceptance of public dollars. In other words, a hospital, I suppose, could refuse to take Medicare dollars, and then might not face that obligation. You'd have to check the law. It's called Impala. But it was signed not by a dumb liberal president, but by Ronald Reagan uh, back in 1986. Uh, and you're right, in part, if people know that when all else fails, uh, you can get emergency care, uh, I think you might conclude it would be cheaper and smarter and healthier to get the care you need before you reach that point. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm arguing. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But it doesn't have to come through the government. Or, I mean, bottom line, I, I think, Andrew, and, and for some people this is an actual goal that they're willing to state, and for other people they're not willing to state it. But there are folks who, who say out loud, I don't believe there should be private health insurance companies. I think the only provider of health insurance should be the government 
Are you in that position? No, I'm not. Uh, and neither is Medicare today. If you don't like the package you get under Medicare, you can supplement it in the private insurance market. I believe the better approach in this case is to strengthen the benefits Medicare provides by adding dental, vision, hearing, and long-term care uh, benefits that aren't part of the package now, uh, increasing reimbursement rates for Medicare providers, especially in rural parts of the country. I've talked to a lot of folks in rural Colorado who tell me their business, their private hospital couldn't survive on Medicare reimbursement rates. So right. that's an important part of the equation. And then, and I know this is the piece where I differ with you and Corey and John Hickenlooper, I believe we ought to lower the age of Medicare eligibility to zero, which was part of the original game plan, by the way. If you go back to 1965, uh, the day that LBJ signed Medicare and Medicaid into law, you'd find the proponent's plan was not to declare victory once they got seniors coverage. I mean, thank goodness if you get to be 65, you've got coverage that cannot be taken away by existing law. But what if you're 64? I, I met a woman who was 64 years old uh, when she needed spinal surgery, uh, couldn't afford it, wanted to wait. So she rolled the dice until she turned 65, uh, signed up for Medicare, and then got the surgery covered. But what if that roll of the dice hadn't worked out? Uh, There's one other point, just because I know you and I share this interest in the market uh, and its uh, successes and failures. I think part of the problem with health insurance, or health care for that matter, as a product in the market is that we don't operate with perfect information. At the point at which we're making this decision, we're often not uh, in shape to choose. And uh, although economists may differ on this point, the demand uh, is not as elastic as for other goods. In other words, people are not likely to overconsume healthcare. If you think about it, not a lot of people are going to sign up for recreational heart surgery. It's just not that enjoyable. No, so but they will overconsume lower levels of, of health care if it's free. I mean, that it's shown that they do. Um, but all right, I'll tell you what, there, we can talk about health care for for days and days. But I want to I want to get to a few other other issues as well. Um, I, I, I think we got a good sense of where you are on, on health care right now. Um, I, I should have I should have said, by the way, you asked me to distinguish my position from Mr. Yeah. And I'll just make two quick points. I think he and Corey both oppose the plan that I'm describing, and both use similar terms to demonize it. They both call this uh, system of public health insurance, uh, at least to the best of my knowledge, socialism. Hickenlooper, at one point when he was running for president, uh, compared this platform to the discredited ideas of Karl Marx and Joseph <laughs> Stalin. Uh, even you have not compared me to, uh, to Stalin, so I uh, appreciate your restraint. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Stalin is one of the most evil people ever. Y- you, um, you and I just disagree on some things. They're they're very different. Um, so thank, uh, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm going to put this on my campaign brochure, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Rom- better than Stalin, Romanov. Yeah, better than Stalin. That's right. This, despite uh, you and I both having very Russian last names, uh, I would note. Um, I, I, oh, last thing on healthcare. Medicare is already going to bankrupt the United States, and the path you want to go down would bankrupt us much, much faster. And I, I just think it's not um, not realistic. And because I'm the host, I'm going to be really unfair and move on to the next topic, and I'm going to take the last word on that topic, because I want to ask you about climate. Um, you've, been, you've been very um, uh, upfront, ag- aggressive, I'll say, about your, your views on climate. You put out a very dramatic kind of climate change um, ad 
Um, why is this issue important to you? And, and do you actually think it's nearly as important to voters as it is to you? Well, if you live on Earth, it needs to be pretty high on your list. And folks can watch the ad, by the way, or read about uh, my other plans at andrewromanoff.com. That's also the place, by the way, where they'll find the Medicare plan that I'm describing cuts costs in half. I know you're trying to get the last word in here, but <laughs> worth pointing out. Well done. Other industrialized nations spend twice as much as we do for health outcomes uh, that uh, in some cases are as good or better. I mean, we're not leading the world in life expectancies or reducing infant or maternal mortality. Rates. Yeah, and they also so have much, we- much higher taxes, VAT taxes, lower productivity, higher unemployment, and, and lower satisfaction of life in most countries. But let's talk about climate. The fate of the planet, uh, or more specifically of life on Earth, uh, is at stake, in my view. And, and you know, it, it takes inspiration from the words of a climate scientist I read once who said, a thermometer is not liberal or conservative. So you and I can debate the best way to attack the climate crisis, but I don't think reasonable people can differ on whether it exists or whether humans are contributing to it. I, I know that position is not held universally by politicians, but it is almost universally by climate scientists. So to my mind, we either shift as swiftly as possible from fossil fuels to renewable energy, increase our investments in energy efficiency, transform our electrical grid, our building codes, our transportation system, um, or we're cooked, literally. Yeah, uh, and I, you can, I finish your sentence. I mean, the, so the, the data is the awfully compelling. We've emitted more pollution in the last 40 years than in all of human history, we've destroyed more of the polar ice caps in the last 20 years than the previous uh, 10,000. These warmer temperatures are also likely to drive the spread of disease-carrying species, so outbreaks uh, will become more common. And I wish we had consensus not just on uh, whether this crisis is real, whether storms and floods and droughts and heat waves and wildfires are becoming more frequent and more destructive, because that's clear, uh, but also some consensus about the urgency of this task. Uh, Mr. Hickenlooper, Mr. Gardner, both take money from the fossil fuel industry, both oppose the Green New Deal. Um, in Mr. Hickenlooper's case, of course, it uh, went one step further and sued communities that tried to restrict fracking and protect their public health and even drank the fracking fluid at one point to show how safe it was. Yeah. So we differ on this issue. Okay, so uh, a few things. Uh, first of all, the data does not support anything you said about Uh, fires and other natural disasters becoming more frequent and more destructive and all that. Yes, the dollar value, let's say, of hurricanes damage goes up because we build more and more expensive homes, but the data does not show what you suggest. Also, yes, there's been a reduction of ice in the Arctic, but a gain of ice in the Antarctic that's been bigger than the reduction of ice in the Arctic. So there's a lot of points here, and... um, you know, I, I don't want people to, including you, to get away with sort of cherry picking stuff. I, I do agree that climate changes and that people probably have some impact. I don't agree with the use of the word crisis. I don't think it is one. And I think the right answer is adaptation should it ever become necessary rather than destroying the economy or even throttling the economy a little bit uh, right now. Andrew, if you were in the U.S. Senate and the Green New Deal came up for a vote, how would you vote on it? In favor. It's a resolution that lays out this, uh, the ambition that I'm describing. Right. Obviously needs implementing legislation. And the good news, by the way, speaking of the economy, uh, is that there are twice as many jobs in clean energy as in fossil fuels. So the notion that we have to pick between a strong economy and a healthy environment 
is a false choice. I don't believe that. You're you're saying there are twice as many people employed in renewable energy jobs as in fossil fuel jobs? In clean energy, in energy efficiency and renewable energy jobs, there are twice as many jobs to be had there. The, The catch here is, of course, that we have to help people make this transition. I don't want to treat fossil fuel workers like collateral damage. They need the help uh, that this transition requires, and that's part of the proposal that I support. Um, So I've got about 90 seconds left. Um, You are, and I should have said this throughout the conversation, my special guest is Andrew Romanoff, former Speaker of the House here in Colorado, attempting to earn the Democratic nomination to run for U.S. Senate. If you get the nomination, you'll be up against Cory Gardner. Uh, I I think plenty of Coloradans think that Corey is doing a fine job. Uh, what is about, it that you object about to about Corey? Well, I think about 34 percent of Coloradans uh, think that Corey's doing a fine job. Look, I know Senator Gardner well. We served in the House together for four years. Uh, we differ on each of the issues that you and I mentioned. I will give him a tiny bit of credit. He skipped uh, town hall meetings for two and a half years. That doesn't deserve much credit. Uh, but he did come out a week ago and challenge or accept an invitation to debate the Democratic nominee. I accept. In fact, I saw Corey's challenge and raised him. And if he's listening to your show or his handlers are, I welcome him to debate me. We have virtual town hall meetings at andrewromanoff.com slash live Tuesdays at five and Fridays at noon. Hickenlooper has skipped 19 debates. So he's just not that into me, <laughs> I guess. But maybe, maybe uh, Corey Gardner will accept the invitation and not wait till September. Corey, if you're listening, I'll debate you now. <laughs> I bet you will. Uh, Hey, maybe I'll come debate you. That would be kind of fun. Uh, Anyway, um, Andrew, I I always appreciate your willingness to have a straightforward conversation and that we can uh, disagree without being disagreeable. And I look forward to having you back on the show. And I wish you much success in um, your seeking the Democratic nomination for Senate. I appreciate it, Ross. Thanks very much for giving me the time. Uh, very, very much glad to have you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.